Okay. So after, after the Gemara goes through so many different things, psukim, like a whole shmuggets board of what this means in a dream, what that means in a dream, and it's important to, to make clear that the Talmudic dream associations is way beyond one of the things we spoke about in the beginning of this series, which is that the dream follows its interpretation. Because if a dream simply just follows any interpretation, you don't need our sages to tell you what this item means, what that item means, what this verse means, what that activity means. And some of them are very counterintuitive. But what we have been learning in the Gemara are objective meanings of different parts of a dream. And, and, the, and the wisdom of a dream interpreter will be that a person doesn't only dream of this one specific item. But based on the premise that unless one is very uh, lucky, so to say, or one is very worthy, and their dream is like pure prophecy, generally a dream is a mixture of prophetic insight as well as, as, well as some things that are nonsensical. So part of the job of the dream interpreter will be to discount that which is nonsensical and to focus on that which has a very objective, significant meaning. And Bechal, that's a very good rule in life that a lot, of, a lot of the things that happen to us are very meaningful and very uplifting. Everything is meaningful. They're very uplifting. There are many activities, there are many events, there are things that people go through daily, weekly, monthly that can be uh, the opposite of uplifting, etc. And, and I think part of the wisdom of life is to figure out how to focus on that which, which is going to help you, which is going to help you go forward. Not to ignore reality, but it's just about getting the right balance, spending a lesser amount of time uh, on those things that are, that, are not, that, are, that are the opposite of uplifting. But coming back over here. So by just making note over here that we're singing here Monica's mother, and uh, we're dedicating the class for her to for Shalema, and God willing, there'll be good news. Amen. Okay, so says the Gemara like this, that uh, there are five, there are five things, Hamisha, 57b3 on the left column, Hamisha Echad Mishishim, there are five things that are a 60th part of something else. Very interesting that in Halacha, a 60th part is of great significance. Let me tell you where this plays out very often, which is in our kitchens. If there is a mixture of two different food items, even if everything is kosher, but if there's a mixture of meat and milk, obviously, accidentally. So when is it that the kitchen needs to be koshered? When is it that the utensil has to be koshered? When is it that the food may not be consumed? And when is it that we say, ah, that, that one was so minute in relation to the other that it became nullified? And there are two rules, and normally there's an overlap. One rule is the rule of majority. Simple rule, majority will dominate. There is another rule, and that is, is that if and when the ta'am, the taste of one permeated all, then the majority won't take away its taste. You need to have a ratio of 6D to 1 for the one to completely lose its power to influence the taste 
in the mixture. So, for example, if a if if three chickens that are in the freezer got mixed up together, one of them is not kosher. I don't know why it's in the kitchen, but it's in the kitchen. And two are kosher. One is not kosher, two are kosher. Now, obviously, if there's a mark on it, if there's a pack, if there's a package, if there's a hechshed, if you can discern, if you can tell which one is which, you have to take out the non-kosher one. But in a case where all the three chickens mamish look alike, and you don't know which one is which, do you have to throw all three out? And the answer is no. The answer is, is that since the majority were kosher, the majority is kosher, as long as you don't cook them all together or bake them all together, if you bake them all together, then you know that one of them is not kosher. That's a problem. But if you were to take one out of the three, you are halachically allowed to say, well, there are three chickens. Two are kosher, one is not. The one that I took came from the majority. That's the rule of the majority. Not only that, but theoretically, by the letter of the law, after you eat of that one, you can take the second. Even though right now there are, there are only two, but there were three. And you can say the same thing. There were three chickens. Two of them were kosher. One was not, even though one was consumed. This one came from the majority. And then you can take the third one and eat it as well. This is the letter of the law. Ashkenazim are machmer. And then we paskin that if in such a scenario or in a case similar to it, you should take one out and throw it away. And then we, we say that the one that was not kosher was the one that we threw away. But coming back over here, that is when there is no mixture of taste. So then the rule is we go after the majority. But if there is a mixture of taste, so if a little bit of milk spritzed into a cooking meat pot and it's all mixed together, we don't say, well, there was only one drop of milk and there were two drops of meat, so it's nullified. Absolutely not. Once there is a mixture of taste, which is what happens if there's heat and one item especially is liquidy, then the rule is you need to have 60 to 1. But if it's less than 60 to 1, less than 60 to 1 means that it's uh, 59 to 1, that there is a total of 60. If there is a total of 60, then the 1 still has the koyach to permeate and to influence and to change the taste, but very slightly. So the cutoff point of where something becomes completely insignificant is when there is 60 times against it, which is one of 61. So that's why coming back over here, whenever the sages say, ah, that there is a thing that's one out of 60, one out of 60 means that it's, it's, it's a very weak, it's very weak, but there is, you're at the boundary, you're at the border of it's still considered discernible. And what of these five things? Fire, Aish, interesting. Devash, honey. <clears throat> Shabbos. Sleep. And a dream. And the Gemara explains. Fire is echad mishishim legehenim. Fire is the 60th part of Gehenim. So the heat and the pain of fire is a 60th. Wow. Honey is 160th of the manna. Of the man, the man fell on the desert. The Torah describes the man, Kitzapichis Bidvash. The Torah gives some sort of honey like taste to it, even though the sages tell us that a person was able to uh, intend to desire a certain taste and you would experience it eating the manna, like a stem cell, 
it becomes whatever you want it to become. But there was an objective taste to the manna. So if when you were eating the manna, you were thinking of no other food, then it would taste, the Torah says, honey-like. But if you were to eat honey right now, honey only has in it a 60th of the taste of the manna. Shabbos is a 60th of Olam Haba. Wow. We're speaking about the, 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 the level of pleasure that hopefully one merits to experience on Shabbos. So that is a 60th of the Tainug that one will have in the world to come. Sleep, says the Gemara, is a 60th of death because we are a 60th, so to say, removed while we are sleeping from the body and from the world. And a dream, that's why we are learning about this, is Echad Mishishim Linavuah. A dream is a 60th of prophecy. So after mentioning pages and pages of dream associations and how significant they are and how meaningful they are, and yeah, and many, many dreams, especially the ones that come early in the morning and you remember them vividly, etc. So they're, they're, you received some information from out there, lest you think, well, a prophecy, you know, is double. Prophecy is, so to say, 59 times as strong. And again, we're using that because if prophecy would have been one more, then this would have been completely nullified. Then it would be of, we would not even be allowed to make such a comparison, but it's a very, very weak comparison. Okay. Says the Gemara Vaita. So that's five. So there are five things that are a 60th of something else. And now the Gemara says there are six things that are a good sign to a sick person. What are the six things that are a good sign to a sick person? Itush, sneezing. Zeya, perspiration. Shilshul, loose bowels. A loose bowel movement. Keri. And Shena, and sleep. And Vachaloim, and a dream. Amazing. So, so itush and everything has to have a source. So he quotes a pasuk that we have in Eov, where it says that ati shoisov tohel oir, that his sneezes. So to say, this is in reference to uh, God Almighty. His sneezes flash light, but in re- in reference to the person that a sneeze. In other words, whenever the body expels, that brings about health. And everything we mentioned is a certain bodily expulsion so there's sneezing there is perspiration he quotes a passage for perspiration there is a loose bowel movement there is sleep it's amazing and there is a dream and when regarding a dream it says that you made me dream and you gave me life and this is the source we quoted this in the beginning of the series that the Rebbe Maharash or the Rebbe Rashab in Hasidus we learn that many dreams are mamish similar. The expression that we have in Hasidus is for someone who's vomiting. In other words, whenever there is an excess, there is something in the body that is not good for us. Not because it's inherently not good, but in most cases is because there is too much of it. Something is off balance. So the way the body will re-equilibrate itself rebalance itself is by expelling everything so there is a physical expulsion of something that is not good for that person person a person throws it up and then there is the mind that is constantly picking up stuff whether it is while we are awake whether it is consciously or not consciously there's too much stuff in our minds it's not healthy and the body the way Hashem made us gets rid of it by a dream
And that's Bechal, a very healthy approach to all scary dreams, or to all, or to all what one might think is a negative dream. A negative dream doesn't mean that this is what's going to be happening to the dreamer. The opposite. This is what the dreamer got rid of. You got rid of those things. It left your body. And when, you, when, it, when it left the body, you had that experience. You had an experience on the way out. Gemara goes further. Six things... There are six things that cure a sick person from his or her sickness. And and this cure is a complete cure because there are certain times you have a cure and temporarily the person gets better. But then, God forbid, the illness can still come back. But these, these six completely cure. Now, I want to just say the following. That in the Gemara, and maybe that's a good topic for the next series, Maybe that's a great topic for our next series. We're going to have a lot of medicine in the Talmud. Fascinating. Fascinating because some of it is related to food. Some of it already borders magic. And, and even though the Talmud does not put it all together in one place, doesn't matter, but you have a half a page here and you have a half a page there. And, and it is really captivating and it's fascinating. However, however, around a thousand years ago, a group of rabbis got together and they put a special ban, a prohibition, on people practicing Talmudic medicines. Why did they put a ban? Because they said the following. First of all, all of the Talmudic remedies, uh, as a rule, don't come with a specific amount. And the reason why the Gemara doesn't say how much of it to consume is because I'm sure that it's custom-made for every individual depending on the size of the person, depending what type of illness you're trying to cure, how bad is that illness. So it's possible that a person, or it's probable that a person is going to think that they followed through in a Talmudic cure, and if they won't get, if not, if it won't work, then they're going to say, ah, Baba Mises, the, the sages didn't know what they're talking about. So they put a ban and they said you can't practice it. That's one reason. There's another reason, which is fascinating also, and that is, is that from the days of the Talmud until now, it's possible that there are certain bodily functions that changed a bit. And that bit won't allow this specific type of medicine to work. And the same concept, that a person will follow through with what the sages said, and it's not going to work, and they're going to say, oi, what they said doesn't work. So what we're learning right now, just to make it clear, we're not learning what people should do, but we're learning the Torah. And it's, it's very interesting. So let's go. These are the six, six cures that mamish completely cure the person. One is kruv, cabbage. Turadinar beets, borscht. The other one is sisin yevation, dried penny royale. The other one is keva, an animal stomach. I know that today when you go to the kosher meat, butcher store these items are not available i don't know because it's harder to clean it if it's an fda issue i pasha don't know but the cavo that a kosher animal has four stomachs and the cava stomach is very healthy to eat the head is an animal's womb the yoisetas i covered an animal's diaphragm so that's the six, and others say, small fish, doesn't say which small fish, but you know, small fish, sardines, and not only do small fish cure someone 
who's already sick, but small fish, they make fruitful and they strengthen a person's entire body. And the final, in the negative, is asada devarim. There are ten things that machzidin as that they make a person's illness come back. So we should refrain from it. And when the sickness comes back, it comes back even more severe the way it used to be. The elohein, and here the the ten items. Ha'ichel besar If a person who eats the meat of an ox, it's very heavy meat, or besar shomin very fatty meat. Number three, psar tzoli, roasted meat. Psar tzipadim, poultry. The Gemara is not a big fan of poultry here. Beitzot tzoluya, roasted egg. Vitiglachas, shaving. Probably cold. Vishachalayim, one who eats cress. Vehechalav, one who drinks milk. No, this is for, healthy people can have it. We're speaking about someone who's ill, that are trying to get better and they and they do this, it, it gets worse. Vagvina cheese. Vahamerchats and bathing. Can you imagine? That uh, listen, it could be that because there was bathhouses and people then would have to go home from the bathhouse and maybe they would get sick. I don't know. And also cucumbers. I want you to know that in the Gemara. Cucumbers were really looked down at. They were considered food that is very difficult for the body to digest. And if a person was sick, especially if you're having large cucumbers, uh, they were considered harmful to the person. And let's have one, the final piece for dreams. Mace babayis. If one dreams that there is a corpse in the house, you know what that means? Says the Gemara, it means that there'll be peace in the house. Amazing. Like I mentioned before, I you dreamt of a corpse? Yeah, you dreamt of something unhealthy, death. You dreamt about, it means it's leaving you. Or if you dreamt it in the house, even though in your dream it was in the house, but it means that it's leaving the house. If you dreamt of a corpse eating and drinking, uh, it sounds like a scary dream. No, it's a good sign. It's a good sign in the house. If you dreamt that a corpse took utensils from the house, that's a bad sign of the house. However, when is it a bad simon to have a corpse in your dream taking something from the house? So, Papa, that's only been the son of a sandal, or that's only if the corpse took a shoe or a sandal. I want you to know that Al-Pikabala, what we don't take from the belongings of someone who passed away are their shoes or sandals. I know many of the organizations... Um, you know, people donate, which is a great thing. There's no need for it. They're donated. And people who need garments, get them. What, what we don't donate is shoes. Some people actually, they cut the shoes to make sure no one else can use it. But this is for sure connected to what we're learning over here. So if you dream of a corpse, that's good. You dream of the corpse eating and drinking, good. But if the corpse is taking the shoes, it means that he's taking someone else from the house. Call the shakol shivcha ma'alei. No, it's anything, like Rav Papa says, that if you dream of a corpse taking something from the house, it's a good thing. Bar aside, name a son of a sandal, if the corpse is taking a shoe or a sandal. And call the yav shechavam ali, anything that a corpse puts into the house in a dream is favorable. Bar ma'afra v'chardala side of dirt or mustard, which are two signs of death. So with this we conclude our dream series. 
And listen, you guys can make suggestions. I don't mind learning about the medicine in the Talmud. But if you have any other great ideas of what we can learn for the next couple of weeks, then uh, God willing, we'll start next week a Naya, a new series.